These are facts. Look them up, sucker. Yo. The 27th president was Howard Taft. Lincoln chopped down a tree with an axe. Tom Cruise is a cancer and dyslexic. Kim Basinger grew up in Dallas, Texas. Harry Styles has two extra nipples. I'm really fickle when it comes to dill pickles. Dolphins sleep with one eye open. Oxygen and blood is called hemoglobin. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Those are facts. Tom McCaffrey here. Um, that's um. Thanks for listening. That's a track from my album just dropped on Friday. It's called The Killing Jokes. And it's uh stand up. It's mainly stand up, but then I, I I threw on a bunch of uh songs I that I had over that, the years. Oh, is that I, that's a new song or an old song? That's a new one. I have about six new ones, and then I have a remix of one of my songs from my first album, and then I threw on two tracks from one of my older albums. So one of the songs I put put on was uh I'm a headliner with oh, a bunch yeah. of comedians, Joe DeRosa and Hannibal Burris and Rob Cantrell and tell alexandra rap on it um so check that it's it's also the stand-up set the recording is on youtube tom mccaffrey the killing so check it out <laughs> um that's funny so though you're, up, just, man? You you're just giving you like a bunch of snapple facts up, up there well you know like um yeah but that's like a thing that um be, became like a popular term in pop culture like that hip-hop dudes would you yeah, know like someone say would facts. say something and they go facts yeah oh i get <laughs> like um like that's like a young I, mean, I don't know it's like a thing that you know to kind of like um no agree, i know i heartily yeah. agree with something yeah but it's emphasize. like like everything else it's just kind of morphed like every other term because mm-hmm. it's basically i know some younger comics and they you, it's just basically saying yes not even just, not just we agree just like the word yes so it's close to that but it's like word like it used to be word like right. someone would say something word man word now it's like I... facts <laughs> so i just um was just gonna you know kind of very seriously state dumb facts that's funny and then like random obscure facts and then just say facts and then it gets more and more upset they're not even facts they're just kind of things like just things about like my life like i like big max you know <laughs> facts um and then i say like i alexander bain invented the facts machine oh, that's funny facts <laughs> was that who invented it yeah i mean i I just googled it <laughs> yeah and then i say like i think it's towards the end like uh 2d from the facts of life so the whole show facts <laughs> It's pretty genius, but it's kind of cool too because I was playing for someone. They were like, "Oh, this is interesting because it does. It's like random. Yeah, it's like Snapple facts. So it's things yeah. you were no, aware you, of, and you're like, oh, okay.' But you're learning as you're listening, right? I mean, my yeah. comedy is meant to educate the world, trying <laughs> to put out positive energy. Well, it's like they remember the Billy Joel song, "We Didn't Start to Fire." And, yeah, you, know, you almost like learned a little bit. Did you hear? Did you see that? There's was it Blink One Eighty Two did a extension of the song. No, so when did that it, happen? It was released a few weeks ago. Um, I know other people have done parodies of that, but they were they did this for real. Um, it was like from whenever nineteen eighty nine to um, to now, but they didn't do it in chronological order, which I thought was kind of weak. Um, really? Yeah, they just I guess didn't they just it's I guess oh it's Fallout Boy. Oh, and, okay. I was and, like, blink. Yeah, that makes more. I mean, they're both. Do you want to hear it for a sec? This is irrelevant. Yeah. All right. Well, the um, but I like the other one where he did it in chronological order. Yeah. I'll move on. <laughs> is it supposed to be funny? No. He just said. Well, I guess that they're kind of focusing more on the uh, insipid pop culture facts or whatever. <laughs> like, history. Would you say Robert Downey as uh, Iron Man is like one of the most biggest cultural things that happened in the fi- last 50 years? Uh, 
not to me, but yeah, <laughs> I, I, not even in Robert Downey Jr.'s life. Um, yeah, and I'm such a nerd because I was listening to it and I'm like, wait a minute, the times are all wrong. They went from like MySpace to fucking something. Yeah, that that's kind of that's kind of lazy earlier. too. Like, yeah, when, you know, at least Billy Joel, he did it by didn't he do it by decade? Yeah, he kind of did it by year, you know, um, and then but he the, also like each verse would be like a decade. I think. Right. And yeah, absolutely. And then he would like kind of speed it up at the end and then it was going a little faster and he was. But at least it did he did get fat. He did start, um, you know, it got, it got a lot, a lot more sparse as it went on in terms right. of what he was covering. He was like, you know. <laughs> you know, like you know, shuttle crash and AIDS and <laughs> rock and rolling. I just remember it's like you know it's supposed to you know build to this huge crescendo that the world's just out of control and spinning. And he's like, rock and rolling cola wars. I can't take it anymore. It's like cola wars is what what just kind of like was too much for you. you yeah, but at least he tried. I mean, I guess it's you know you write songs. I I could write songs. It's kind of hard to rhyme. I've written song parodies, and those are hard too. I have like when I do it, I you you ever go onto like the rhyming dictionaries online? Yeah, that's how. That's the only way I wrote any of my. I I, <laughs> I don't know how I I never would have been able to write rap songs without. The, without the rhyming the, without the internet i don't know how people wrote before no, that because there were rhyming dictionaries before that oh they you had to go buy them oh that, right. you know, that makes sense okay there i guarantee they all did that <laughs> here's like the first lyric it's captain planet arab spring la riots rodney king then he goes to deep fakes earthquakes you went from rodney king to deep fakes that's 30 fucking years and yeah, go, that's fucking who, Fall Out Boy. Yeah, and then they went Iceland, Volcano, Oklahoma City, Barn, Kurt Cobain. I mean, now you're going back. You know, p- pick a lane here. <laughs> yeah, they're like Donald Trump. Yeah, invention <laughs> of the wheel, civil war, <laughs> caveman <laughs> inventing fire, internet. <laughs> oh, they had uh, there's fire Big fest. Bang. Yeah, well, they have Trump gets impeached twice. Polar bears got no ice. Oh, that's pretty lame. And then Firefest, uh, Michael Phelps. I mean, come on. And then Y2K. Now you're going back 20 years. Sorry. <laughs> I'm mad at y- this song. Y2K and Y0K. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, so basically mine's better. One thing, you know, that I always think of is um, he name checks Bernie Getz, Bernard Getz, and that We Didn't Start the Fire song. Yeah. He was the subway vigilante in like the 80s. And I see that guy all the time. Yeah, <laughs> like, you told me that. I see him like, I I probably haven't seen him in about six months, but I've, I, for the past like 15 years, I've seen him like a hundred times. And it's just always so weird to me. I'm like, because it's just, he, culturally, he's like a pop culture icon. I mean, he just, it, that song just kind of solidified his, his place in pop in pop culture panty, pantheon. Yeah, because I always thought like, I, New York, he was very popular. He was this, Bernie gets, if you don't know, was a subway vigilante who kind of death wish shot a couple of people. And yeah, and people were very supportive of him at first because crime was really bad. But when you kind of break down the story, he was these people were like running away from him. And, you know, well, it's you know, it's he he did. He got off for self-defense. He, right. he did get convicted for the illegal gun charge. Right? Uh, yeah, it was like a gun charge. But um. Yeah, he he definitely was, you know, he was defending himself. These guys were like harassing him and, you know, trying to rob it. Right. But then the, the story is basically that, all right, they're harassing, they're harassing, you're pulling out the gun and they're running away that you're shooting. You don't keep shooting them. Well, the, uh, but, I mean, I did study this case in law school. Oh, so because okay. so, we, we did cover that. So the one shot that... um was in question was he did shoot them and then one guy they were down and he turned when he was leaving he turned and he said you look okay here's another one and, and then shot <laughs> so they said at that point because the whole thing with self-defense is you have to fear for your you know you're in danger right. of your life or that someone is did you hear you the know, rest of the, and the, did you hear but, the rest of that story though because the next day what? he went to one of their guys houses and he goes, I, you only got one. You, look like you need five more. <laughs> Man, this, that, that one was a little extreme. I thought that one was kind of out of line. 
Um, but I always joke. I might have made this joke. Showed before. up at court. You look. You look. You know. You look pretty healed up. Um, <laughs> well, that guy apparently that that was the the second one that he did is the one that paralyzed the guy. Oh, uh, okay. So that's the big thing. Yeah, and I, I think you know, in fairness to Bernie Getz, not like defending him, but New York was really bad at the time. You like you wouldn't even go on the subway. You went on the subway. It was one of those things where like you got robbed. Where on the subway? Well, when were you on the subway? Like eight o'clock at night? You went on the subway at eight o'clock at night. You deserved to get robbed. So it was things were bad, you know? No, definitely. That what the subway was I don't mean I remember the subway like I, I have like memories really young, just like flashes of being on the subway and just it was terrifying. Like I mean, like it it's like it was like traumatic that I yeah. remember like I remember seeing it really young and just being like what is like, what the hell, where am I? This is a nightmare. It's just terrifying. <laughs> and um, it was covered in graffiti. It just, it just felt really ominous and dangerous. And that was the whole thing, you know, the whole broken windows uh, thing right. that they did. Policing, they, you know, that they, yeah. What was it called? It was like Bro- broken, broken windows, windows policing where they would just arrest people for small crimes because those got people are usually doing bigger crimes. And there's something to be said about that. And, and also that if you, they would fix any broken windows in the city because right. and get rid of all the graffiti because having graffiti and you know things like vandalized just gave a sense of danger and that it was like it made criminals feel more comfortable kind of like oh well it's it's horrible here i can get away with i can just do anything so when you fix that stuff it's kind of like like it's not an environment that's as conducive to criminals to Right. crime it doesn't look like a crime ridden area so like no, no actually I, I i had the wrong definition you you had the right one i was i think my thing was an offshoot of that where you know they would just arrest people for small like train crimes. hopping right because and then they would always find the guy who hopped the train thing would have a gun or a knife on him so they were going to commit maybe a crime yeah. so but I know that one thing what they did with the New York City subways is, you know, in the 70s and 80s, there was graffiti all over the subways and what they would, you know, they were completely tagged with graffiti. And then I think maybe even Dinkins started this. They would wipe it off every time. I guess it was the broken windows thing. Yeah. Where So anytime you would tag it, you just want to put your name on there and it would just be gone within hours. And that, so- yeah, that apparently that really did deter graffiti because like they would, you know, these graffiti guys would spend you know, there'd be a bunch of them doing like one big mural on the train, you know, right. to take them hours and like all this, you know, they buy all this spray paint, they pay all this money. And then they did this thing where they knew that they would do when the trains were like in the train yard and they would watch them. And then right when they were done, they would go and paint over it, like almost oh. in front of them. <laughs> so it was almost like a fuck you to them. Mm-hmm. So that's what really stopped. Cause they were like, Oh shit. Like, we, this is a total waste of time and i was like wow that's really smart because mm-hmm. not it's one thing if you're going to do it like later but they would they started to do it in right they like they would let them do it <laughs> i didn't know that part that's smart. <laughs> you know then, and uh, i understand like city art and i there's certain graffiti that i i appreciate but the subway made it it just looked horrible on the subway it just it did you look at old pictures from this like the 80s and 70s it just looks like a night it looks exactly like a place where you're it's okay to do crime you know, right. you know, i don't know how to explain it. it's just kind of like when you're in an environment where like it's clear no one's policing the area and no one and no one cares mm-hmm. you're just you know it's like you went to a shitty school like like you live in a shitty dirty neighborhood you know you see everyone just kind of littering because it's like well who gives a shit no one else cares no one respects this mm-hmm. area why should i it's like you know a slutty chick like why would i respect <laughs> you um you know about the windows too right the subway windows because then after a while they couldn't paint the the trains with graffiti, but they would so they would etch in the subway windows. Um scratchy. So what, what? Scratchy, right, right. Yeah. But yeah. then what they did, they had this kind of uh, material that they could just peel it off, the layers. I, I don't uh, know if they still have hilarious. that. So they would scr- and then they would just pull it off and that was gone too. So why don't you just get like another just go do go read a book or something? Like what <laughs> I figured out a new thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna do graffiti on the window. Like just why? Just it's over. Like do, is it like who it, that's another thing too? Like I guess I understand the the graffiti art because some of these guys were really artists and they were, I mean, first of all, it's like, I don't because, you know, it's illegal. You're defacing fucking property. It looks shitty. And then, but like scratching your name in a fucking 
window? I mean, once you're past nine, how is that at all appealing? No, and I always say, like, especially with buildings and stuff, that it's art. But I think what people never understood is, but buildings are art too. Buildings are architecture is art. And I like when they have places where they can. Wasn't that place they they closed down in Queens where they had all this big wall and just people would. Uh, it was really cool. And of course, they shut it down a few years ago because they probably put a condo there. There was this big wall, and graffiti artists would just come and just paint over it all the time. It would always change. You ever go to that? No, it was called I, um, the Five Points or something. It was really oh, cool. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. That. I would see that from the train. You could yeah. see from the train, right? Yeah. Um, I you know I I grew up in Manhattan, and you know in the you know I was in high school in like the late eighties, early nineties, and um, I had friends who were really into graffiti writing. They love you know I went to an art school, and they were like. And also, it's like, you know, that age, you know, the New York City was tough. And it was like, if you're a young male in New York City at that point, it was like, you already kind of have a lot of testosterone. You kind of, I felt like it kind of um, you just kind of fit, being a New York City kid, being a teenager male kind of fed into your like the bravado and like being like, ah, I got to be tough. So we kind of try to be tough. And I had friends who, you know, it was like kind of like a badge of honor, like you were a badass, but they would do it and i would go out with them sometimes but i didn't want to do it. i didn't you know I was, they would start getting arrested and i was like i am there's no way i'm getting fucking arrested this is ridiculous <laughs> and actually i have a funny story that one night we we were out with uh adrian brody from my from uh mm-hmm. you know that actor guy yeah i just saw him my, he's he's on that show on uh hbo that's back winning time he plays Pat yeah, Riley. I just saw yeah, I just saw the first that's right. They had the second episode last night. Yeah, he plays Pat Riley. So he he we, I went to high school with him and he was like um he, you know, kind of friends with these guys that I knew. I mean, I knew him too. And then like he wanted he was into graffiti writing, but like my friends, he was kind of new to the the group or whatever, and so they kind of were, were shitty to him. They kind of hazed him a little bit, and I don't uh-huh. think he liked it. But yeah, so yeah, but, but he showed, so anyway, he showed they, them. Didn't he make out with Holly? We've talked about him several times before. Didn't, didn't he make out with Holly Berry? Was that him? He, yeah, on the Oscars. Yeah. He like grabbed Holly Berry. But then he so I I saw him on the Tonight Show, like when he first kind of started doing stuff in like 2000 or whatever. And and he was like, Oh, so he mentioned my high school. Jay Leno was like, Oh, so you went to that art school? And he was like, What was that like? And he was like, Oh, yeah, I used to hang out with graffiti writers. So oh, like, he wow. was kind of talking about those uh, friends of mine. Oh, um, you, you went to, to graffiti writers. That sounds yeah. Uh, that sounds kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, man. They loved me, but it was funny because he was he was kind of saying you could tell it to kind of sound like a cool like city New York kid, right. you know, like oh yeah, it was crazy, man. Yeah, these graffiti writer guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. So that was kind of a funny. I don't know how we. Oh, we got, got there. So buy my album. It's <laughs> yeah. a lot of graffiti on the album. The, I saw the album cover. You look like the Joker, right? Yeah, I kind of, you know, I was, um, I don't know how I, there was a, um, I, you know what it was is I, I really love the movie King of Comedy. Yeah. Do you like, and I just that saw that recently. I actually love that movie. I like the, the every time I see it again, I, I, I like it even more. Um, and it's really the Joker just took the whole plot line. That's why De Niro's in it. You know, De Niro was the original king of comedy. Yeah. I mean, Joker is so derivative of like, and it's, it's so much better than Joker. Like oh, yeah. I like Joker, but it's like, it's first of all, it came out in 82 or 83. It's such a prescient movie. It's mm-hmm. all about celebrity worship culture and how just you know robert de niro's character is just so desperate to be famous like he doesn't even want to put it he wants to be a comedian but he doesn't want to do any of the work to become a comedian like he doesn't go out and do clubs or anything he just is literally like him and sandra bernhardt are like celebrity obsessed you know fanatics and they just like follow i mean that's like a real thing you know that they would follow um celebrities to get autographs from them right but now i do remember i don't care spoiler word it's a 50 year old movie or whatever but at the end he gets on the show which is like the, the tonight show although jerry lewis is playing johnny carson and he does well though doesn't he do well yeah see that's what's so brilliant about it too and like it it's it's more like seeing it over and over like first of all, i saw it when i was like nine because there was mm-hmm. nothing else to watch in, in the movies and I was like yeah. and I went and saw and I was like well, I don't under it's just so funny because it's like I was like what is this shit like uh, 
like stand-up comedy like why is this guy like literally i remember being like why would this guy be so into being a stand-up comic like who gives a shit i didn't i didn't really understand it and so that's what's so ahead of its time too is like he's so obsessed with being famous and he's crazy like he's literally uh, out of his mind and he he literally is like i'll do anything to be famous and he's so deluded right and he practices stand-up like in his basement in his mom's house right he practices it and he has like these phony cutouts of celebrities and he pretends like he's a guest on the show and it keeps going in and out of like fantasy and reality because then like he'll be kind of himself who's kind of weird and um like I don't know like weaselly and then it'll have like a fantasy of him knowing Jerry Lewis's character and then yes. like their friends um and so I, that it keeps it keeps switching back and forth, like into reality and fantasy of him knowing him. And then um, what's so brilliant about the end, not to, you know, spoil it. So he does the show. He kidnaps Jerry Lewis. Right. To get on, And he's like, I'm going to kill him. If you and Jerry Lewis is show. supposed to be like a Johnny Carson, which I heard they offered Johnny Carson the role and he turned it down. They tried to get him. Yeah. And yeah. he wouldn't do it. Um, and so he kidnaps him and then he does the five minute set and then he gets arrested. But this is also so like ahead of its time. So he gets arrested, but then because it's such a crazy story, he becomes this huge celebrity while he's in jail and he writes a book and it becomes this huge best-selling book. And then when he gets out, he's a huge celebrity because of what he did and he has his own talk show. And so that's so that I don't think that was really true at the time, but now that is completely how our oh, society is. An example of literally that guy, the QAnon shaman, who's I'm so pissed that guy's already out of jail. He's out and he's doing interviews in the QAnon garb. <laughs> <laughs> he's just back and he's just I saw so I saw that. He I saw him in the shaman outfit doing an interview. And I was like, and I, you're right. I was like, is this a joke? I di- I didn't think it was him. I know he. I think they gave him less time because I think he flipped on people. Because you know, I think he flipped on people because he oh, was I'm one sure of, he did. He didn't look very. But still, he was the fucking face of that January sixth thing. I mean, when you when you saw that, you're like, well, he'll be arrested and he'll be. Oh, of course, know, he's gonna go to jail for a while. I mean, he's the only one everyone remembers. You know, basically. So, well, I mean, that makes the. Um... Rupert Pupkin is the character in King of Comedy. It makes him look like an actual person of substance with yeah. a goal. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, well, at least Rupert Pupkin had like a passion for comedy. You know what I mean? It was like he yeah. did this thing. He didn't really hurt anyone. He just wanted to, you know, get his shot and no one would give him a shot. But so what's the the so the thing that I was rewatching the King of Comedy literally like a month ago. And so what's so brilliant about it that I realized this last time is that the whole thing at the end of the movie when he gets out and he comes out and he has his own talk show, a lot of people speculate if that's fantasy again, like uh, if that's real or not, if if whatever happens after he gets arrested, because they have this whole prologue of like a narrator, like Rupert Pupkin became a huge celebrity two and a half years ago when he did it. And then he shows him on all these like magazine covers and uh, he has like a book to, like coming out and he's going to do like a book signing. And people are like, well, is it real? But then I was what's so great about it is the whole movie. He keeps going back and forth between like where he's basically like, this is real. Like this scene when he's doing this is real. This is not real when he's, when he's pretending he says, what's so great about the end is you don't know if it's real or not. You know uh, what I mean? Like, you're kind of like, well, was this real? Or, and it, the, that's, what's great about it is It's like, it could be either at that point. And that's, that's kind of great. the whole thing. It's kind of like the fantasy of his life and reality have become one so it's kind of like it could it, and that's what's kind of amazing about it. it's like this could be this could happen or it couldn't but even then like at the time i think it was thought of as like what a crazy story like that would never happen and you're right that q and on shaman that's like the ultimate yeah. example that guy doesn't that, that guy didn't even want to be in show but he's just crazy <laughs> that guy <laughs> and the movie was not a big hit when it came out not like the joker which was a huge hit and but it's a, such a great movie and shows you how great Scorsese is because, you know, he can do like he was he was doing all these dark movies and he started well and he started doing dark comedies like that one and yeah the other one did you ever see After Hours that one he did that next. that's a great that's actually like really funny that movie is so New York nineteen eighties you just you yeah. get the feel you know of it and uh, right Soho at night how he's mm-hmm. just kind of in the it's like that is really yeah you're right because it's very. 
representative of how New York City, it's so big, you can live there and just go to a completely different area in New York City (laughs) and feel like you're like stuck, like you don't know where you even are. Like it's a whole different world, you know, where you're just like, where am I? Like everything, like Soho back then was like, where, what is this neighborhood? It's all weirdos and it's really dangerous. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I remember like years ago and like, having to someone invite me to their apartment or a bar party. And I hated going downtown because I didn't know it. They were all name streets, you know, and it was always like, oh, we are. Uh, where's this party? It's on the corner of hamburger and come nuts. Yeah. And I'm Charles like, Charles the- and gay. <laughs> Charles is gay. I'm not going to that guy's party. And by the way, there is a gay street, as you know, there is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, it, it just you know fits the name i'm not saying it just uh seems it's just very clean and nice actually so right right <laughs> it's a no i mean that must you know makes it a little easier to know where you're gonna you you want to spend the night you know that's why actually next week i'm going to a party at a, a free B, bj's avenue <laughs> free bj's avenue. <laughs> poor street on the, co- yeah. on the corner of a, a first and blown by a whore street yeah yeah <laughs> Um, I, uh, so what, so that's basically, the, so the long winded way was, uh, oh yeah. So Joker like totally rips it off and it's not nearly as good. And it's just, so when I was doing this album, I was like, I want to do something. Like I always like the Rupert Pumpkin King of comedy thing, because I, what I liked about that was like, you know, he's crazy and everything, but you know, at the end of the day, he kind of, it, it's almost like indicative of showbiz. It's almost like you have to do something that drastic to get yeah. anywhere, especially now. I feel like in showbiz now with like the only people that are rewarded that stand out are just, you have to do these insane, crazy stunts. You know what I mean? And that's such a great point because like, I've been noticing that lately, you know, there's a lot of co- comedians and people blowing up on social media, but it's usually for crazy things. And even the stand-up comedy, I was talking to a comic this the other day. It's like you put a joke up and it was like, eh. But if you do some weird interaction with a heckler or, you know, that goes viral or you just say something insane. But you just yeah. put a nice, solid joke up. Right. No, it's true. And that it's up the game so much. I remember the first time I really noticed that was and I did but was when that Takashi six, nine guy blew up so big. And it was basically like the reason he blew up was because he did these like insane videos that were just like, were really ominous and dangerous and just looked like you were like, it was like him and like gang members. And it was like, Oh my God. And so then he got a lot of attention because he was basically like threatening to kill people on whatever the thing was like on Uh... TikTok on the live streaming things. And then like, he got like kidnapped by the bloods and then they were going to kill him. Then he got arrested. Then he like, the only time I ever heard of him was in, was when he uh, testified against the bloods and like that oh, made his career. And it's like, yeah. so that's what you have to do now is like test or you have to start a feud or like you have to attack the capital. It's just like, that's what it is now. That's what you, and th- that's why I love that. When you look back at, you look at King of Comedy now, and it seems like quaint. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. that's so like he kidnapped the talk show host to get five minutes, you know, and uh, oh, and, and it worked. And it, what was so funny, it was it was under the guise of like, this is the craziest story, like such a fictional story. Like, can you imagine like if someone went to this length to be, you know, <laughs> become famous? And it's like, yeah, that's and it, it was the beginning of like being famous just to be famous it wasn't like he he liked comedy but he didn't put in like there's a scene where they're like well where do you go up and he's like i don't go up anywhere yeah and they're like well why don't you just tell us when you're performing at a club and he's like no i'm not doing that i'm gonna just kidnap the guy and it's like that's like a tiktok thing you know it is. It's totally. I mean, people should rewatch that movie. I think it's like one. I mean, you go back and people will talk about it now, and they. It's one of those movies that's just aged amazingly. Um, I think it was one of those that's so ahead of its time. People didn't know what to make of it. Like, yeah. And I think when you're talking about how the crazy, everyone wants to top the craziness. It, it's infested politics because you know I was reading this article about someone was saying about the Republican Party. They're just not even. They're not normal anymore. And it, it's because all the people on social media and the pundits and people like they just. They want to get more likes, so they just have to be crazier and crazier and crazier. That's why I like this Hunter Biden thing. I mean, uh, the biggest nothing burger you've ever, ever. First of all, it's his son. It's not Joe Biden. And I know. 
you know, and they're like, and the thing that they're accusing him of, even if it was true, which they can't find any proof. And I figure that if they, well, had they keep it, being like, we have a guy who's going to, he's going to tell us everything. And then later, first of all, they're like, oh yeah, he disappeared. And then it's yeah. like, we found well, the guy. They, and then he'll be like, I don't know. I don't really think he did anything. Yeah. When they are in their testimony, their stories change because they know they can go to jail for perjury. So they won't do that. But even let's just say that that was a true story that someone paid Joe Biden $5 million for influence that goes on all the time. What do you think campaign contributions are? That's right. I mean, ever heard of uh, Jared Kushner? You ever yeah. heard of that guy maybe using some influence to uh, make some deals? But even get, I mean, that's the easy one, but every, the whole politics is about that. So we're going to open that Pandora's box. We're going to like, right. oh, people are going to pay to get special treatment from politicians. Well, then basically put every single politician in jail. Yeah. Um, And, you know, even the funny thing with, with Joe Biden is that whole thing is like these Clarence Thomas stories just keep coming out. And it's like and this guy has he these Supreme Court justices probably have more power than the president. They like make laws. And this guy's completely bought off. And everyone's like, well, that's, you know, there's no rules for that. So, yeah. And it's just it is so frustrating to watch. It's just because like nothing ever happens. I mean, that's why like. You know, people are like, what about Jared Kushner? And it's kind of like, look, one fucking complete fraud, you know, at a time. Like, th- th- you know, Jared Kushner, why would you even go after that? It's just like that you 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 have the fucking actual guy. Like Jared Kushner would be, would be like eighth down the list. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I don't even. That, but it's it, I don't know that the act, the absurdity and you know, ridiculous absurdity of the whole like. That's all they have to go to every time. It's just Hunter Butter, like the and Clinton's emails. Just kind of like no one looks looks. No one sees through that. No one's like, okay, that's that seems like not very relevant to what's happening. Right. Um, This is what they have in Hunter Biden. They have his penis. That's what they keep showing. He was a drug addict. All right. Not. And then the other thing was like he didn't pay his taxes, but then he did pay them back. But are we going to open? It's like he at least what, paid. What, what, what's the other thing too? Like gun? He had a gun or something? Gun, right. But the thing was, is that they thought that they weren't going to go after them because there's two things there that are touchy for Republicans. One, they're not paying taxes. First of all, a lot of Republicans think taxes are too high. Plus, Trump's never paid any of his taxes ever. <laughs> no, no, don't, no. He he's going to release them as soon as the audit's over. You, you still you haven't heard? Remember that whole promise that everyone kept saying? Oh, he's going to release. Oh, okay, I, that's. But they found his taxes. Remember they put they found him. Yeah, and they're like he paid for years seven hundred fifty dollars a year in taxes. Right. No one. No. Just no one cares. It's it's just too late. Everything's <laughs> it's everything's over. Like there's no, no you know like we talked about it a million times. It's like. That's how cults work. Like once you're in the cult, it doesn't matter. Anything can remember, you know, the whole thing where everyone's like, you know, they call it cognitive dissonance, where basically whatever happens, they just kind of move the goal lines. And Mm -hmm. I feel like cognitive dissonance is too like clinical way to, you know, too fancy way to describe it. It's like, what about just like you're stupid? Like it's not, you know what I mean? How (laughs) about we just call it what it is? Like, or a sociopath or something. You're just an idiot. Like just the guy keeps saying things and they don't then they don't happen. It doesn't do them. And then you just kind of keep going along with it. It's like it's cognitive dissonance. It's like, no, you're just a moron. You're just a blind moron. Well, two things. that I have. First, I just want to finish with the Hunter thing is that he the other thing that he's accused of is uh, you're owning a gun and being a convicted drug addict. And, you know, you want to open, look, Republicans, you want to open up that door. I mean, NRA, they they have no problem with something like what that. I know. I was going to say, what's this gun thing? I mean, like, right. I thought they loved gun. Their whole thing was like, don't ever take away my gun. Then, like, this guy had a gun. Right. But the law is that I think if you ever convicted uh, drug what, felon. What do they care? They're, they they, they want to give guns to just mental patients. Right. They want to I mean, hand them out in, like, fucking psych- psychic ward. What's psychotic ward? I was just reading fuck. a story today about these things called switches. Have you heard of about this? There's something, and it's it's like an epidemic. They said it's worse than fentanyl epidemic for the amount of murders it's causing. It's something you can put on a handgun to turn it into a machine gun. And they're like everywhere. Perfect. Everywhere. There's and like I- a thing now. Did you hear about where like the, literally they are advertising guns, machine guns for like three-year-olds? <laughs> That's like a thing. Like those exist. And they're like, 
they're trying to advertise and some states are like no you can't advertise guns for for toddlers right (laughs) but now hunter biden had a gun they're like but this guy did drugs and it's like but you want everyone to have a gun why that's what the whole it's just Right. And then, then the new thing is, you got to have a special prosecutor. Okay, here's a special prosecutor. No, it's not going to be fair. This guy was doing it under Trump. What the hell do you want? <laughs> no, but that's the thing. And there's no, um, I you can't even. It's all payback. It's just to get the Trump stuff off the headlines, you know? I know, but it, it does it. It's it's that's what's so pathetic about. It. Like, I guess it does kind of. But like I've said it before, it's like you're trying to play a fair game with one side who's just kind of not at even in the game. You know right. what I mean? Like that they refuse to even. It's like trying to have a basketball game and be like, well, no, and you know, anytime you score, like that, that that's bullshit. Like I should get points for that. Like <laughs> you get to score. Like how how do you, how come? Why do you even have a, you know, it's like you want to play a baseball game. And they're like, well, what do you mean? You guys use bats? That's bullshit. You shouldn't <laughs> be able to like bad. It's just us bad. That's the whole game. And they don't and care like, anymore. Okay, fine. You can do it where you just bat the whole time. No, but this is bullshit. No. But we, we, you know, and they don't like, even care anymore, like about democracy or anything. I mean, obviously, but there's a story This you know, this uh, thing that happened in Wisconsin where the Supreme Court finally flipped to a liberal majority. You know, because they vote for their uh, Supreme Court members and they, you know, the abortions outlawed in Wisconsin because this is old law. And then there's this other thing in Wisconsin where they gerrymandered the fuck out of it. It's so unfair. So the, this new Supreme Court justice is going to probably, you know, let abortion be illegal and get rid of that gerrymander. And then like they're like, we're just going to impeach her. And you're like, wait, what? For what? Because she doesn't agree with you. Now that's that's the new, the new that's thing. The, that's the uh, well, I mean. The fact that it started to become like, well, first of all, when the whole just like, no, I don't accept, I don't accept that I lost. And then when the other other Republicans just followed suit and they were just yeah. like, well, you know, before like the whole denying election results before the election, yeah. like, and it wasn't like everyone started doing it. And the the absolute lack of any kind of shame about it. like the one they were interviewing this I forget some politician somewhere and they were like, well I just don't I don't trust election results it's like because some Republicans lost in the state I just you know but the, the these these uh, results are clearly fraudulent you can't trust it they're all crooked and it's like they're not <laughs> fair and and then she had won and right. they were like but what about your your result like. I think that one was secure. I I feel that that one was secure, and it was just like I can't believe that's like that's but I think literally Trump, things I said when I was five years old. I like think that, Trump, that was the mentality I had. I remember like, a Trump interview where they were like, before the election in twenty twenty, he was like, "Yeah, it's this is going to be rigged," and they're like, "Well, if you win, is it going to be rigged?" He's, and he's like, "No, it won't be." He was like basically saying it beforehand, and it wasn't at all. There was no um, embarrassment about it, no uh, irony. It was just kind of like. I, I can't believe that you're able to say these things with a straight face and just, but th- the thing is like, everyone's kind of like, well, why is everyone so this? And everyone, there seems to be such a split and such a vitriol. And it's like, because this has been going on for like seven years, like <laughs> where one side, that's their argument. And, and then when they're, when things aren't going well, it's very like, cause they're just like, you know, even like friends or people, you know, who are on that, who voted for that, like now none of them even want to talk about about it they don't want to bring it up you know what i mean i've noticed that there's people i know supported trump and like i'll see them and like they just won't they don't ever want to talk about which is fine i don't want to talk about it either but like it's kind of like oh so now we're just not going to talk about it. you're not even going to acknowledge that that happened it's just kind of like supporting they, this crazy person that broke the world and like oh i won't bring it up sorry i, I hope that's like not uncomfortable right but i but i remember that before i remember uh when W. Bush. I knew people who voted for George W. Bush, and then by 2008, you couldn't find anyone around here who claimed they vote for George W. Bush. Well, I think know? it's it's it's. I think what's really frustrating. It's more like I just don't want to talk about it. I've I've had that a lot for a while, where you get into a a debate with someone, and you know, and you start making points that they can't defend, and they know they're wrong. And so yeah. what they do is they go, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to talk about it. I don't like talking about <laughs> politics. I remember having that like before the Trump election. I was talking, I was at dinner with like a bunch of people in my family. There was someone there and they were like, you know, and I made a comment like about how Trump is Hitler, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and they just started screaming at me. Like, this is before the election. 
And um, it got really weird. Like people left the table and I was just like, you know, I was like, okay, I, I like, I didn't really know how to handle it. Cause it was so like out of nowhere, but th- they were, you know, they hadn't even told, I mean, I, I figured they were probably going to vote for Trump at that point, but yeah. I was just like, oh my God. And then I've been in conversation, you know, now it, it would, would never even be mentioned, you did know, you but see- at the time. Did you see there is a new show, but there's two of them. They're on Netflix. One of them's called How to Become a Cult Leader. Have you seen that? Yeah, I've been watching it. Yeah. And it's a lot. It's kind of scary. It's like a Trump, you know, thing. And then the one before it was How to Become a Tyrant. Have you seen that one? No. Was that no. the same? Was that before this? Yeah. And that was interesting because they were talking about the rise of Hitler. And it's like they were saying they think the reason why he had the Hitler mustache which, you know, mm-hmm. they said because um, a lot of the lower class Germans in the 30s had that mustache. He used to have like one of those long, like, you know, like handlebar mustaches. Right. So he did it to like so they could relate to him. Right. And who does that sound like? He's one of. I mean, first of all, I'm, I've become so like, you know, obsessed with cults and like, you know, the indoctrination and how cults form now because because of what's going on. Right. And literally every single time, it's just exactly Trump. Because I mean, Trump studied that, studied right. these how to get, how to be, uh, how to form a cult. Like it, this wasn't like some accident of like, wow, you know, I can't believe these people are so crazy, and they're you know the whole uh, shoot people in Fifth Avenue thing. It's like, right? Because he had studied like the cult playbook, and it is amazing. It's always like, um. I don't, you know, you've watched it. Just right. every step well, they take. Yeah. Like- and, and the tyrant playbook, it's kind of a, there's an overlap there. And one of the things I think I saw in one or both is that what you do is you just constantly tell everyone how great you are. And I think that was more in the tyrant one too, where it was like the head of South Korea or North Korea always right. says that he could, you know, they he doesn't can, even take a shit, you know, right. they're fallible. They're not human. Every time like, he plays golf, he gets a hole in one. And right. And, Everything is per like, you know, the, 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 but it's beyond like, it's just comical. Like he, he made a comment recently about the, um, some other phone call, you know, and he was like, now they're going after me with this phone call. And that, phone call was even more perfecter than the other perfect <laughs> phone call it was like did you really just say this phone call was more perfect than the other perfect phone call like no one watches that and goes that's weird that's a weird thing to say i mean if he thinks a perfect phone call is a phone call where you're like committing treason i want to know what he thinks a bad phone call is <laughs> I exactly i don't even know what what is he doing on the? I'd love to hear these other phone calls he's having. But I mean, that someone would say that was an even perfecter, per, perfect phone call. But yeah, it's always like they're great and they're great looking. And, you know, anyone who doesn't like them is wrong. And you attack anyone that. Uh, and by the way, have you ever you? said that in your life? We get off the phone with someone going, that was a fucking hell of a phone <laughs> call. Yeah, <that's, laughs> I really nailed man, it. I nailed that call. <laughs> Jeez. Way to go, man. I like the part when I started and I said hello. And then yeah. I said goodbye at the end. Yeah, it was. I've uh, never. The, the only time I've commented on a phone call is when I'd be like, holy shit, I really fucked that up. <laughs> It'll be like a, uh, you know, Mostly an to, interview. To a, oh, an interview or a woman, either. Or. A woman or a job interview. Like I've definitely had interviews over over the phone or zoom where i'm like oh shit that was not good <laughs> and i've had it I'm, i've with women you i mean you know back when you had to call remember the days when you had to call a woman yeah and, like talk to them and have like uh you know a, a, have some charm and say things I mean, that was like it 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 wasn't that long ago i mean when we were in our 20s that is what you had yeah. to do you had to be like hey can i have your number and then you had to call them and they usually didn't know it was you Right. <laughs> and then you had to be like, hi, I'm the guy that met you. <laughs> hey, um, so what's going on? Da-da-da. And then like kind of lead your way into like hanging out with. I mean, it was really was like there was an art to it. Yeah. And like so and I always thought and they always say this with interviewing, you turn it around. So I was always like I always fump for during interviews. So I just as long as they're talking that I feel like it's I'm doing better, you know, because I would know sometimes on an interview or even talking with a wor- woman, if I'm for the first time, I'm nervous and I'm just sort of like rambling, I'm rambling. Yeah. And then you're like, yeah, I'm fucking this up. You had to or the other big one was you had if they didn't answer, you had to really nail the voicemail. 
Like that was like a thing. You had to be like ready to leave a voicemail. It had to be good. Like it had to be like you had to be kind of like funny and char- you literally had to give like your your like sell yourself in like a 15 second voicemail because it couldn't be too short and it couldn't be too long. Right. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, like you didn't really care. Like, oh hey, what's up? It's Tommy. I met you at the other day and uh yeah, just seeing what you're up Sorry. to. So uh I don't know, you know, give me a call whenever. <laughs> I don't really give a shit. I got a lot going on. So uh I wanted to play. I wanted to play for my favorite movie where uh, it's Swingers, where he leaves the worst voicemail ever. Where he keeps calling her. Yeah, where we play it for a second, just for um, a second. Oh, you can, but that that scene, all we. I love that movie, but that scene, I got to where I had to fast forward it. It just it gave me so much anxiety. Maybe <laughs> like because it was like I always knew where it was going after I saw it, and it's just so painful to watch him because he basically just keeps. Oh, he. What is it? He he calls and then like he he doesn't. He cuts him off before he can leave his number. Right. Yeah, and then in, he he gets the message from the girl. He gets the number from the girl, so he calls her for the first time. This is the first part. First of all, he calls her. That's the whole thing because he talks to Vince Vaughn and the other guy, and right. they're like the ladies' men, and I, they go through. Go ahead. I met you at the um, at the Dresden uh, tonight. Uh, I just called to to say that I had a great time. And you should call me tomorrow or in uh, two, two days, uh, whatever. Anyway, uh, my number is 213-555-4679. Yeah, that's like so perfect. <laughs> and, then it, and then he keeps going back a million he keeps times. forgetting to leave the number again. Yeah, but then it gets like more aggressive. And then, at the, and then he just keeps, and then he goes, this is the last just, part. Just uh, walk in or were you, were you listening all along? Oh, wait a minute. Uh, uh, maybe we should just some, take some time off from each other. <laughs> it's not you, it's me. It's what it's what I'm going through. You're great. Right. Uh, it's it, it, it's only been six months. Mike, Nikki, great. Did did you just uh, walk in, or were you, were you listening all along? Don't ever call me again. <laughs> <laughs> I like that was so funny. Where he's like, oh, yeah, we shouldn't even do this. He like calls four times. And then he, he yeah, yeah, up. that's the best part. It's like, Nikki, it's Mike. Uh, this just isn't working out. I think, you know, it's not you. It's me. I just, you're great. Like, he's like, you're great. He, he literally talked to her for three minutes at the bar. <laughs> that's a um, great movie. Yeah, that's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. It's also like uh, the, the, the intro of Vince Vaughn. I mean, he's uh, yeah. like an instant... That, I mean, the, the, I've talked about this before. Like, it's one of the only times I can remember someone was just n- completely unknown, and then mm-hmm. they did a movie, and they were just like huge immediately. Yeah, like I mean, he, that he, made him huge. The next movie he was in, I think, was like Jurassic Park Two. That's how big it he was. Did. Yeah, actually, I think it was because I think Spielberg saw Swingers and was mm-hmm. like, "Oh shit, I, I want." It's it's just amazing because then like, um, and then what's weird? I liked Vince Vaughn for a little bit, but um. I never he was never as good as he was in that movie. No. Like he he was just never as funny as that. I don't know what it, it's almost like made, made he's pretty damn funny, but the movie made he, he is. He's good in made, and it's kind of like what's funny is he's kind of making fun of he, it's like kind of the flip side because it's mm-hmm. like they're in New York, so it's him being that guy in New York, and like no one in New York gives a shit. In New York, <laughs> they kind of see through. Um, but he never like. I think what happened with him is like he tried too hard to be funny. Later, I think he got mm-hmm. caught up in like, oh yeah, I'm really funny, and it was like he just was never. I mean, he wasn't not good. It was just some. No, he's had some. I mean, I've liked a lot of stuff he's done, like Wedding Crashers and things like that. But I think that's when I finally turned on. I was like, oh, yeah. no, I don't, I'm not in. I, I, you know, I think that movie's super overrated. I know it's like a good movie, and a lot of people like it. I just don't. I think I always just compare him to Swingers, and I right. just he's so good in that. And it's, um, it's, the tough thing now is I think they're coming out with a new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And he's, I think he's a very good ad libber. And that I think why he's on Curb now. And he's, but the thing is, is he replaced Bob Einstein. Like he's a Funkhauser on that show. And those are tough shoes to fill. You know, is the, that Super Dave? Yeah, Super Dave. And he played Marty Funkhauser on the show. And yeah, he's, he's so funny. Like, if you ever watch the outtakes of Curb Your Enthusiasm, it's usually Larry David just losing it, just looking at that guy's face. <laughs> he's so funny. Oh, really? Yeah, super, yeah. Super Dave was like he 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 really had mastered that um 
the what like the straight man just, just <laughs> not the straight man but just he was very like dry he was, humor yeah, he, he wasn't was, and he was he wasn't trying very, very hard like that's it yeah vince vaughn just like got to the point i feel like he was just trying too hard to be funny like, you, know, you can just like see someone trying to be funny too too much i just feel like i don't know i don't know what it was he just kind of started to annoy me um but swingers is yeah it's such a, a classic but uh, what better than swingers is your album so yeah so you should buy um my album the killing jokes which is a uh so the cover is me it's a cartoon of me on stage dressed as the joker um do you want, do you want me to play another song from that uh sure yeah you can play uh um i don't even know what the fuck to play how about i need hugs can it's yeah. that on YouTube? Yeah, I'm checking it out. So LL Cool J did a song in the 80s called I Need Love. And it was just a really cheesy love song. Cause I think, you know, early on in hip hop, they were like, you know, you gotta get a song out there that like it's for the ladies, you know, get you a female audience. And so he did this song all about how he's like really lonely and it was really <laughs> sappy. And then Vanilla Ice did one called I Love You, and it was just like, girl, you know, I love you. So this is I need hugs. <laughs> That's so we can play that. Uh, and then and um oh, there's 27 songs here. So um Admin well, do you see I need hugs? Uh, Towards the bottom, sex I think. games, condoms. It's way psychic, down. Rock lobster. Uh, here we go. Oh, because you added it with a Z. That's why it didn't come up. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> All right, so we can go out on this. Go one. Out. Let's go out on this. Okay. You know what I need? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's very serious. What's up, girl? you up feeling lonely I'm sitting here alone in my huge ass mansion I can't help but feel that there's something missing I know it sounds like I'm moaning and pissing but listen as I spill my feelings this ain't no act this is the real thing from the outside my life looks appealing but sometimes I just feel like tearing out my eyes know the water is leaking cause being the world's goat and succeeding just ain't enough for me yo it's all just fleeting feel like I'm at war can't take no more this great life has become a bore all this meaningless sex with skanky whores every night just ain't enough to rock my world I need something more than just pretty faces need to fill my heart Empty spaces, yo girl. I don't know how to phrase this. Come over and feel my huge embraces. Huh. Yeah, yeah, girl. Yo, I need hugs. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What do I need? <laughs> what do I yeah, need? You know what I need? I need hugs. All right. Right. 